0: Well, this morning is our last sermon in our pillar series. Pillar series. We've been, if you're new to Sunday here at our church, we've been in this series called Pillars, uh, which is really just talking about the three pillars that our church is built on. We want to see hearts renewed by the power of the gospel. We want to see people rebuilt through discipleship, and we want to see, lastly, people released for City and World Impact. So today we want to talk about this idea of release and really going to talk about why we're released. You know, why does God call us to be released? What does that actually look like? Why? So, if you've got a Bible, flip with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at these first 11 verses. We're not going to tackle everything in here. Look at these first 11 verses and see the why. What keeps us going on a day to day basis? Has Pillars been good for you guys? Has been a good series? Yeah. yeah. I thought about singing to compliment my rap last time, but my wife first want to say don't do that please once you get the text once you stand to your feet with me if you're able to read the Word of God with me Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 the text reads in the first book O Theophilus I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, whom he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Very words of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, a hope that compels. Hope that compels. Can you say that? Hope that compels. compels. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and just how much you've loved us. Lord, we just pray that you would fill this place with your spirit, and also pray one thing, God, that you would decrease me so that you may increase. Let your word go forth, and let your people hear from you and not me, God. We thank you for this time. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said together, Amen. amen, amen. You can be seated. Well, today is Super Bowl Sunday, so I thought we'd talk about some football. Is that okay? Yeah. Are y'all ready for some football? Are you ready for some football? No, y'all not ready. Did I need to do it again? Are y'all ready for some football? All right, okay, okay. Some of y'all like, I don't even watch football. Football. Well, in high school, before my junior year of high school, I learned that my football coach was leaving the school. Now, this was pretty devastating news to me because I loved my coach. Y'all, he designed the whole offense around me. I had broken all the state records and wide receiving yards. I was all state on offense, all state on defense. Y'all, I even called, it was around the time when Ali, the movie came out. I was like walking into school like, the champ is here, the champ. And people be like, yeah, the champ is here. I thought I was the man. So when my coach left, it was devastating news to me. And Upon the arrival of my new coach, he quickly came to me and he said, hey, Derek, you know, I know you had all these accolades last year, you're, you're a great player, but look, I'm going to put a new offense in, and I, want, I, I, I need your help. I need you to play this position called the tight end. If you still want to pass the ball, uh, if you want to catch it, I need you to play tight end, and you're one of the biggest, fastest, strongest, he's selling me on it, you're the biggest, fastest, you're one of the captains, we, we, we need you to play this position in order for this offense to work. So I started thinking to myself, okay, well, if it's for the good of the team, I'm going to trust my coach without even thinking about it. I said, all right, cool. I'll play that position. Y'all, I didn't even know what tight end was. I'm like, I'll play tight end, coach, but, and I'll do it. And see, when he explained it to me, he started talking about the tight end blocks, but sometimes he catches the ball. And then he put this play called the sweep in. So I learned really quickly what the tight end does. Anybody heard of the sweep? Well, when you watch it on TV today, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because I'm about to explain it to you. I'm the tight end, so I'm the main blocker in the sweet play. So I get down in my three-point stance like this, and I'm surveying the field. I'm looking out in front of me, and the reason I'm doing that, I'm looking at the middle linebacker. I'm watching the the, the defensive tackle that's right in front of me, and I'm trying to figure out what's going to be the easiest path for the running back to get to the end zone because he has to cut off of my block. So if I block down, I hit the tackle, he's going to cut out outside and hopefully create a pathway to the end zone. If I block out, he's going to cut inside. See, y'all not following me. See, I'm creating a pathway to the end zone. I'm the main blocker in this. You see, and I love this play because every time we ran it, We got about 10 to 15 yards. I mean, it's a first down. If he wasn't breaking for a touchdown, it was a great play. But I also hated this play because we started to run it. We did this play, no joke, 90% of the time, and 10% of the time we passed the ball. So we knew every play was going to be the sweet play, which meant that I wasn't getting the ball. (laughs) So nonetheless, I went from one of the top recruits in the nation to a mediocre recruit in my own state. In my most crucial year of recruiting. But then we went... Ten and two. We won ten games and we lost to one of the best records in school history. And I changed my position. And guess what? I got to go play D1 anyway. But I know you're probably sitting there saying, well, okay, Pastor D, that's cool and all. But what does this have to do with Jesus? What does football have to do with Jesus? And here's the point. Hear me. Life with Jesus... In many ways, when we're walking with him, it's much like playing tight end. It's much like playing the tight end on a sweet play. Y'all not hearing me. Don't miss this. If you call yourself a believer in here, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has saved you not just for yourself. He's not, but hopefully so that you can lay down the block and create a clear pathway to the end zone, which is Jesus for someone else. Y'all missed it again. See, we're gonna to have to get lively up in here. See, it's the sweet play. See, we're just a bunch of tight ends. All of those that believe us, believe in Jesus, we're just a bunch of tight ends in the sweet play. Laying down blocks, sacrificing our body, creating a path for hopefully others to see Jesus. Tight ends. But see, here's the thing. Because I, I don't want you to get all amped up saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this G- Pastor D going to preach a message of how we, we, we just need to go out and share the gospel with other people. Because here's the thing. Sadly, if I'm honest, I think we all really struggle with what we truly do believe sometimes. We, we struggle with why should I share my life with someone else? I don't know enough to share my life. I'm I'm this and I'm that. I'm bad. I need to get myself together. How do I share my life with someone else? Everything in the world says do for you. Get yourself together. Get, Get achieve. I mean, the world says do for you, do for you, do for you, do for you, and then on the other side, Jesus says do for others, do for others, do for others, because I've done for you. It's the opposite. See, it's opposite mentality. So today, in our passage, I not only want you to look at what it means with me to be released to impact the city and, and the world for Jesus, but I really want to look at the why. I want to look at the why we do what we do. What keeps us living for Him? What really keeps us going? See, this is what we see happening right here in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Jesus is telling the disciples, You know these truths. I've given you these truths. Now go and take these truths out and give them away. Make disciples. Pour your life out on other people, other people, so that they can go do the same thing and create create past. See, here are the disciples that have walked with Jesus. He's given his life to them, he's poured his life out on them, and now he's ascending to heaven. And before he goes to heaven, he says, you will receive power. You'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witnesses. They won't be alone. See, Jesus is commissioning them. He's saying, I want you to go out and do the work of a missionary. Take take this truth out. Carry it out with you. The work that I already started in front of you. Now, go, go do the same thing saying, I gave my life. You've seen me give my life away to you for you. Now I want you to go do the same thing. So today as we look at these, this text, I, I, I got three truths for you. Three truths we have in Jesus that will keep us walking faithfully in our walks with Christ. I want to focus on what we know is true about Jesus and the hope we have in him, which in turn should make us desire to want to live for him. So we're not going to focus so much on how we're released, but more so the why behind we're released. You got it? See, because anybody, hear me, anybody can go serve at a soup kitchen. Anybody can give money away. We all can do different benevolent acts, but we have to ask the question, why are we doing it? Is it because of what Jesus has done for us? Now, the gospel is compelling us to do this, or is it because you feel obligated? Or or, or because you think it'll make you a better person or makes you feel good? Like, why are we doing what we do? Is it because Jesus compelled, because he's done all these things for you, or is it because, man, I just feel like I need to do this? This There's a big difference. So three truths, three truths that will keep us going. And one, the hope in our and hope in his resurrection, the hope in his ascension, and the hope we have in his return. These three hopes: the hope in his resurrection, the hope in his ascension, and the hope we have in his return. These hopes are what will keep believers. Walking and running through the trials and the storms in our lives when life has us at wit's end. see, It's going to keep us running through, getting in that three-point stance. Laying down the block, the main block, so people can get to the end zone, which is Jesus. Being tight ends. Now to begin, just a bit of context. This book, the book of Acts, is said to be written by Luke. Luke by most scholars, they believe, has written this book, and he's writing it to a man named Theophilus. He opens up by saying in verse 1, if you look at it with me, I've dealt with what Jesus began to do and teach what alludes to the fact that he's going to continue to teach what Jesus did, but he's not doing it necessarily through how Jesus walked. He's now doing it through the church. So he's still teaching what Jesus is doing, but now it's through the church. Now, looking at verses two through three, we see Jesus presenting proof. He's presenting proof that he's risen, and by him rising from the grave, it signifies his power over sin and death. In verse three, it talks about Jesus presenting himself to the disciples with the holes in his hands and his feet. See, these first few verses right here are very significant. I don't want you to just skip over them and keep going through the passage. They're very significant because just take a moment. Could you imagine how the people right now, these disciples are feeling? See, Jesus, they just saw him die. The most gruesome death they've ever seen before. I mean, Jesus is stuck in his side. He's getting whipped. He should have died from the whippings alone. Then he, he hikes up a hill with a cross on his back. Then he's hung there with nails in his hands and his feet. They just saw him die this way. So could you imagine how they're feeling? How sad they might feel right now. The pain they might feel. Some of them feeling betrayal because they they, they betrayed him. They wouldn't even claim Jesus. Could you imagine all the emotions that are going on? But then you see this text. And it says that their risen Lord is with them now. He's dwelling with them, not one day or two days, but he's with them for 40 days. 40 days. I mean, Thomas is like, nah, Jesus can't be you. Let me, let me touch your wounds. You see this in John chapter 20. He puts his fingers through Jesus' hands. I mean, could you imagine the emotions right now, the joy and the amazement they, that they feel? I mean, y'all, y'all, this has to be an emotional roller coaster. It's up and down. Going from sad to to happy and then to doubt. I mean, this is a crazy emotional roller coaster that these folks are on right now. I've never seen anyone rise from the dead. Have you? I've never seen that. And y'all, these folks, these disciples right here, they ain't fans of Elvis and Tupac. They're not wishing for Jesus to come back. Jesus is shown enough dead. They saw him die. Not just dead. He's shown (laughs) enough. He's in the grave. They're weeping, they're upset, they're sad. But now he's back, and he doesn't stay with them just one day, but 40 days. Family, what I'm trying to get at right now is that, hear me, there's hope in the resurrection. There's hope in the resurrection. Hear me, those of us that believe in here today, we're no longer enemies of God, but we're justified or declared legally right in God's sight solely because of Christ's death. Y'all remember it? God loved, God gave, we believe, we live forever. Come on, God loved, God (laughs) gave, we believe, there you go, we live forever. You see, but the truth of the matter is, is that as we can celebrate the gospel and what Jesus did on our behalf, hear me, none of this is true without Christ's resurrection. None of this even matters. See, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then we would not be redeemed, nor would we, we be declared legally right in God's sight. Without the resurrection, hear me, y'all, there is no re- redemption. There's no redemption. When Christ rose, he conquered sin and death. But if he had not risen, if he just died and went to the grave and laid there in a tomb and that was it, we would just, say, we would just think of Jesus as another great person who stood for something. But when he rose, he conquered sin and death, which made him God. But see, that, See, here's the thing. Here's the truth. You know, because you got you to gotta grapple with this a little bit. Stay for 40 days, not seen by 5 or 10 people, but seen by 500 people. People have written about this. See, here's the thing. I need y'all to say to Say this to somebody. He got up. Turn to your neighbor and say, he got up. Yeah. See, Christ did not stay in the grave. He got up. Amen. Death couldn't hold him down as we like to sing that song. Amen. See, the resurrection completes our redemption. He died, he was buried, and then he rose. Renewal. We cannot be justified without this resurrection. Paul goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13-14, to he says these words, but if there's no resurrection of the dead... That not even Christ has been risen. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. See, he says that without Christ's resurrection, our faith is in vain, meaning that it is meaningless. means nothing. It's Christ's resurrection that completes our redemption. But Renewal, you know, when I look at these verses by Paul, the thing that gives me the most joy is that in those verses, he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. And he's saying that, that Christ rose. And what it means to me as a believer is saying that, look, that the one day, one day because he rose, he's coming back. He's coming back to give me. And if, if you don't get any other excitement out of this text, that's where I want you to get it. Jesus is coming back for those that believe. Which means that we're going to live with him forever. Friends, that. That, that, that's the truth see faith in Christ's resurrection is important because without it there is no hope there's no hope it's all in vain if Christ hadn't rose your faith would mean nothing it's the resurrection that gives us hope the resurrection makes redemption complete But see I think some of y'all are still not getting this so let me put it this way how many of y'all like eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches PBJ's come on now I love peanut butter and jelly. A good peanut, it's, a, it's something about a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. See, if you grew up like me, sometimes that's all you had in the house. Single parent household, you, you, were, you wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich after school. So you come home craving this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I love it. And you gotta have the white bread. You can't have the wheat bread. You can't make it healthy. You got to have the white bread that sops up the, the jelly and stuff and just, just just good. It's just pure goodness in your mouth. So, so you, 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 you come home from school and I'm just craving the peanut butter and jelly, right? So I go to the cupboard or the cabinet and I, I get the, the bread out. My mouth is starting to water because I want me a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Then I, I pull the peanut butter out too and I put that on the counter. And see, the worst thing is when you don't have all the ingredients. So I, I pull out the fridge and I open it up and I'm like ain't no jelly it's a problem see you can't have peanut butter and jelly without jelly you gotta have grape. <laughs> strawberry that, that, that's not right that's not peanut butter and jelly so you got the jelly in the fridge but there's no jelly in my fridge see see I'm I'm messed up it's the worst thing when you're craving something and you're like, man, I, you, it could be your favorite food. You're like, I'm gonna put this together. I'm gonna throw down tonight. You get all the ingredients out, and then you got the the main ingredient is gone. So you get resourceful. You get creative living in the hood. This all you, you pull out some sugar, put some sugar on that 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 peanut butter. Y'all don't, Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you didn't have sugar, you throw some honey on it. You put something on it. If you're my wife and you are Uber healthy, you put spinach on it. I you just. No lie, she fed my kids Then I was like, what in the world are we doing? <laughs> but you try to be creative with it, right? But the simple fact is, without peanut butter and jelly, there's no PB&J. So now you're eating this peanut butter sandwich, you're chewing it and stuff, and it's getting stuck to your mouth, and you're choking trying to swallow it because it's, you know, <laughs> it's dry, and, and you take water to get it down? And, and here's the simple, the simple fact is, is that the jelly actually helps the peanut butter go down. So you need both. See, I don't know if y'all following me. <laughs> you see, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is not complete without the jelly. You need both ingredients to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And just like this PB&J sandwich family, redemption is not complete without the resurrection. Now all of y'all can go make a PB and J after church (laughs) with grape jelly. See, friends, the resurrection gives us hope to keep going. Gives us hope to keep living for him because not only has Christ risen, but Paul tells us right here in Corinthians that if we believe, one day he's coming back for those that believe, and you'll be with him forever. Friends, there should be this immense amount of joy in the fact that Christ rose from the dead. It's his work on our behalf that gives us hope and it keeps us going. It allows us to trust beyond any trial. It allows us to go through any problem in life because anything we may face, because it's not necessarily up to us when we look at the fact that he rose, he conquered the world. So I don't have to fret about the wiles of life and the things that I'm going through on a day-to-day basis because I know that Jesus has me in the palm of his hands and he's already conquered the world. I just got to believe. Friends, the resurrection gives believers hope. But in this text, that's not the only thing that gives believers hope. Secondly, Christ's ascension gives us hope. It gives believers hope because he gives believers the gift of the Holy Spirit when he ascends to heaven. We see this in verses 4 through 9. Look at the text with me. Don't miss this. See, before this, we looked at how, how our Christ resurrected from the dead, but now he's about to leave them again. So the question becomes, if you're one of the disciples or the many that are around right now, it's like, man, how in the world am I supposed to get hope or be happy in the fact that you're leaving me again? Now, how does that give me hope, Jesus? You're leaving us again. But the joy comes because before he goes, he makes a promise. He says, don't miss this. He reassures them that they will get the promised Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot going on right here. But the point I want us to take away, I want us to zero in, is that although Jesus is leaving this earth to go back to heaven, he does not leave without his disciples being prepared with all they need. Therefore, believer in here that walked in here without hope, feeling like you're the only one in the midst of this world. You're going through trials and tribulations right now. You feel alone. Here's the truth if you believe in Jesus, you're not by yourself. He is with you. God and Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity is with you. Let me put it this way. Because I know we try to mystify the Holy Spirit and we think different things about them. Let me put it this way. Have you ever had someone in your life like a friend, a spouse, a really close relative, somebody that's really close to you that that you, without them it just feels like life is just not the same? Maybe it's a spouse. I mean, you you just have that person that's really close. You got that person in your life. You know, you, you got that person in your life that, that, that without them, it, when they're not around, you feel like a piece of you is missing. Be a friend, anybody in your life. And see, if you have someone like that in your life, you usually have something of theirs. Like you keep something of theirs or you, you might have a, a picture that reminds you of them. You have something that's reminding you of them. So when they're not physically present, you still have a piece of them with you. Y'all follow me. Do y'all have that person in your life? You got somebody like that in your life? You got that item in your household? Some of y'all know the story. Some of y'all know my wife and I's story. Um, but my wife and I, we're, we're high school sweethearts. I love me some her. She is awesome, sauce, all of that goodness. And she, she's amazing. Um, part of the reason I'm pastoring today is because of her. But I love this woman. And we met in high school, and she likes to make the joke because we went to separate high schools in Indianapolis, and I went to the college prep private school, and she went to the public school down the street. So she likes to make the joke, joke that you went to the prep school, the private school, and I went to the public school. And I'm like, well, I'm from Gary. you from Angola. Don't nobody know where that's Where is Angola, Indiana? <laughs> but we met in high school, and I love her. And we, we, we fell head over heels for each other at a young age. And, but we didn't get to see each other a lot. We didn't get to see each other a lot, so I remember one Valentine's Day. Me being the hopeless romantic, this guy that just loves to be romantic all the time—that's not true, but this was me back then, you know, trying to win her heart. I said, "I'm gonna buy her a box of her favorite chocolates." So I bought the chocolates, and y'all, then I went and bought a builder bear. Anybody had a builder bear before? (laughs) I got a builder bear. And I put these nice earrings in the builder bear's ear. So she had to find the earrings. And, 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 and then I put in it a recording. A recording. So every time she pressed the paw of this builder bear, it said something like, I love you, baby. <laughs> and even though I'm not with you, I'm always with you. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. Ain't no shame in my game. <laughs> it worked, didn't it? But you know, to this day, my wife still has that bear. As dirty and dingy as it is after all these years, that recording of my voice is still there. So when I'm away, it still reminds her, even though I'm not physically present with her, she still has me with her. Renewal, hear me. Jesus, in our text, he knew what he meant to his disciples. He's literally flipped their lives upside down and and, and changed their lives. So he knew when he leaves them, he says, Look, look, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit, me and Spirit. I'm not leaving you by yourself. So when I say go out and do be witnesses, you're not by yourself. I am with you. He assures them in his ascension. By giving them the Holy Spirit, a counselor, a friend in need, a mentor, someone to guide them, someone to to, to fall back on the solid rock that they need when they're out there in in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of this world, because they're not prepared for it. You see, Jesus knew that his disciples could not be his witnesses without him, because, hear me, Jesus is the only one that can save. So we see in verse 8 that text says that they receive power. It received boldness when the Spirit came upon them. Family, hear me, hear me. We don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes to be witnesses of a holy God by ourselves. We don't. We're sinful. We're self-serving. We're dirty. We're grimy. We, we don't have it all together, including myself. But if I believe in Jesus, he gives me the Holy Spirit, and with him I have all that I need. Because it's not me, it's him. See, we that believe are prepared because we're not reliant upon our own strength. We're not reliant upon our own power to make it through this world. Where there's things like corrupt politics and, and murder all over the place and rape, division across economic lines and racial lines. All of these things going on in society. And if I'm honest with myself, y'all, I can't make it all the time. I don't have what it takes to flip on the news all the time and say, say I can make something happen. I, I can't make it through this. I just get tired sometimes and I'm like, Lord, I, I can't do this. So if we're honest this morning, we cannot do anything about the problems of this world by ourselves. We can't even make it on our own. The only reason we're able to make it is because, here's the truth, I'm not relying upon my own strength but his. The word of God tells me that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. See, as believers, we're able to prevail because we are reliant upon his power and strength that comes through Jesus. It comes through the Holy Spirit indwelling dwelling believers. See, he has not left believers by themselves. But the question then becomes, well, are you heeding the Holy Spirit? Are you listening? Are, are you listening? See, friends, we cannot simply live this life by, by, by your own merit. By our own strength, by what we do or what we bring to the table, but instead, if you call yourself a believer, you need to be listening and living according to the Spirit of God. Now, the follow up question is well, how do I know what's the Holy Spirit and what's not? How do I know how to listen? Hear me closely. It's not in your feelings. Let me say it again Holy Spirit is not in your feelings. Sometimes that's what we like to think, that he's leading. I feel like he's pushing me this way. It's not in your feelings. The reason I'm saying that is because your feelings go up and down all the time. They sway and they change like the waves and the wind. But one thing that we know about God is that he's the same God that was at the beginning. He's the same God today, and he'll be the same God tomorrow. He's always staying the same. He does not change. So hear me, the Holy Spirit is not in your feelings. But here's how you know the Holy Spirit is leading you. It's very simple. We have to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. We have to be rooted and grounded here. Because the Holy Spirit will never speak or do anything contrary to the word of God. And we know this truth because if you look at the Bible in John chapter 14 through 16... Jesus says things like this about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will glorify the Father and me, declare the same truths that you, to you that I have done. He will not speak on his own authority, but only what, what is in accord with my words or the Father's words. So hear me. If you ever come up to me and you're like, Pastor D, I feel like God is leading me this way. I feel like the Holy Spirit's working in my life, and he, he's leading me to do this. He's leading me to move here, and I'm like, okay, that's really cool. That, actually, that, that sounds really good, but let, show me in the Bible where you see that. Because if it does not line up with the word of God, I'm going to tell you, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's you. That's something else, but it's not God. Friends, we have to know God's word, the Bible, in order to be able to rightly discern his leading, the correct working of God in our lives. He does work, but you got to know how he works. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of believers that keeps us going day to day, day after day. But we have to know him and God's word in order to know his leading. And I have to say this. and I'm harping on this because a lot of times we try to mystify the Holy Spirit. And he's this mystical being, a genie in a bottle. He, he makes me feel this way. I feel good today. And now he's not with me because I feel bad tomorrow. That's not the Holy Spirit. He will never be contrary to the word of God or what Jesus has already said. Friends, Christ knew that believers would not be able to make it in this world on their own. So when he leaves, he says, here. Here's the gift. Here's the Holy Spirit. He will be with you. And that's why we're able to keep going. See, there's hope in Christ's ascension. Amen. Lastly, if that's not enough... We have hope in Jesus' return. Have hope in his return. In our text, we see in verse 10 that after Jesus ascends, the disciples, they're still gazing into heaven. They're looking into heaven because he's just left on a cloud, and now he's left them again. They're looking into heaven, and and it's almost as if you're sitting at a grave site, and, and the body's being lowered down into the ground, and you're just staring at it. You see, it doesn't matter how much hope you'll have when you see them in heaven. Here's the truth. It still hurts. It still hurts. You've lost somebody. And in this case, they lost Jesus. They're, look, could you imagine what they're feeling right now? They've seen him die. Now he's been with them for 40 days, and now he's leaving them again. Could you imagine? Their Savior and Lord has left them again. But as they're gazing into the sky... Two men in white robes walk up, and look what they say to him verse 11. They say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again, come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. They give the disciples hope in his return during a time that they needed it the most. You see, these men, they, they give them something to look forward to. See, it's the fact that one day Christ is coming back for his people. See, Jesus in his death burial, his resurrection, he, he saved us from the very power of sin. But the truth of the matter is that he's coming back one day to free all of those who believe from the very presence of sin. Now, if that didn't make y'all excited, I don't know what's going to make you excited. Because here's the thing, that's something to look forward to. I mean, I'm going to be with my father. And there, there's no more murder. No more politics no more sadness no more tears no more pain no more suffering no more temptation no more no more rape we keep on going about no more see that's a day that we can look forward to if you believe one day you will dwell in heaven forever and ever with the father himself yeah I'll tell you again if that's not something to look forward to I don't know what is I don't know what is See, we don't place our hope in this world because it and everything in it will perish. It's going down, abandoned ship. But if we believe, we will be resurrected with him and live with him forever. See, that's that's where we hang our hats at the end of the day. And the fact that Jesus didn't just die and be buried, but he rose. And he's coming back for those who believe. John 10, 28, one of my favorite verses says these words. It says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Nothing. See, we will live forever with Jesus. See, this is where we place our hope. We place it in Jesus, the truth of his resurrection, the gift of his ascension, and and, and his return. This hope in Jesus is what allows us to live our lives for him being released, laying down the block. Because like Paul, we believe what he says in Philippians 121 where he says, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because like Paul, we understand that if we die today, as a believer, if I die today, I gain. I leave this world and everything here and all the pains and the trials and the suffering and things that we go through on a day-to-day basis. It's all gone. I'm with Jesus. But if I stay here, I choose to live here, walking out those doors. I choose to live for Christ as He did, serving others, wanting to see other people come into the kingdom of God so we can rejoice and be in heaven together. Choose Christ. Again, this means as a believer, you already know your end zone. You know your end zone. Now it's time to play tight and get in that three-point stance and survey the field and figure out how you can create a path for people to cut off your block and see Jesus. Renewal, the disciples understood this after Jesus left, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, they took the truth of the gospel to the world. They were inspired and given hope beyond measure in Jesus' resurrection, his ascension, and his return. And we, too, if we believe we have that same hope in Jesus Christ, we've been given the same gift, which means that we can go out and do the same things that they did. It didn't stop back then. The church is still moving forward, and there's still lives that need to know. There's people out there that still need a lasting hope bigger than what they see or what they feel, and that's only found in Jesus. See, Renewal? This is what we mean when we talk about people being released for City Impact. See, it's our end goal and our vision here at Renewal Church of Chicago. We want people to be released. See, after Jesus renewed hearts by the gospel, he rebuilt folks. And then he sent those same disciples out. He released them to go out and do the same things he did. See, our hope is that every one of us, every one of you all that stepped foot in Renewal Church of Chicago would see themselves as missionaries to the point that when you walk out those doors and you go back into your workplace or you go in your homes, you go into your neighborhoods, those places are different because you know Jesus. See, we want folks to have a gospel experience with Jesus Christ that's so rich that you cannot help but to tell the world about how good he is. See, maybe you walked in here this morning feeling like all hope was lost. Trust him. Believe in him. In him is all the hope you need. And may- maybe you walked in here this morning as a believer, And you just had a hard year already. You feel like you're all by yourself. You feel like all hope is lost. Believe in him. He's all you need. Family, let's be released for Jesus. Let's see this city and this world better because of him. Won't you place your hope in him with me this morning? Let's be a people that's released. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.